Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey, everybody. Let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean, huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your filtry air filters today at filtry.com. Let's clear the air. This is the main event, Mark's podcast, bonus edition on the Unhinged Sports Network. I am your first host, lifelong wrestling fan, and Ohio native, Troy. And with me, as always, is my bro from the Bay. He is the WWE Walking Wrestling Encyclopedia and the main event collector. He is the cane to my undertaker. He's Greg. What's up, Greg? Or nobody's ever going to buy you a sandwich. Hey, well, you, you're in the Hall of Fame before I am. We are here for our April bonus show. And I've been wanting to talk about this show for a while, not particularly because it was like an outstandingly amazing, holy crap, I remember all the moments, you know. But Yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't grade any of the matches, so. Just, oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to ask you that up front. I, I mean, because there were really no grades to give. I put star ratings, but at the same time, I was like, should I even put star ratings? Because, I mean, the longest match is eight and a half minutes, and there's like, what, three matches, four matches on the whole card? And I. Well, you know, the attitude there is all about moments. Yeah, it really is. Because I was like, man, uh, you know, I completely forgot about. Because as a kid, I didn't think anything of it. But, like, watching it back as an adult, I'm like, is there any wrestling on this wrestling show? <laughs> or is it just people talking crap the whole time? Bro, so, nobody cares about wrestling, bro. Bro, it's all about the talking, bro. So, anyway, we're uh, we're going to dive into all that as we talk about the 83-week snapper. The, uh, the reign of Nitro on top was officially over as of tonight. It's not like they, I think they won again, what? Twice, oh, no, maybe? they kept no, they kept trading off. It was never, yeah. Did they? Oh, okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I couldn't remember because there was a certain point where they were like, you know, WWE pulled ahead, and I think Nitro I feel won like, like a once lot of people more. Believe like they never won again after this. 
that's a really it's really misunderstood. Well, they and never I'm not run again after the finger poke of doom, if I'm correct. No, okay, that was was that ninety nine or was that ninety eight? Yeah, it was the first show of ninety nine. Oh, man. Hell of a way to kick off the year. Uh, But anyway, well, we have a lot to get into with the show itself. So uh, real quick, before we get into our first break, Main Event Marks is sponsored by Fubo TV and Fanatics. If you're looking to cut the cord and get rid of your overpriced cable, then look no further than Fubo TV. They provide over 100 channels, cloud DVR, no early cancellation fees, and you can sign up for your free trial today. And Fanatics... They are officially licensed sports gear from the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, PGA, and NASCAR. Uh, if you want to click on the links down in the description. Oh, yeah. I need a new Jeff Gordon shirt. Well, we have a mutual friend that, you know, he, he needs a new Jeff Gordon shirt. Uh, anyway, uh, click on the links down in the <laughs> podcast description. Let them know Main Event Marks and the Unhinged Sports Network sent you. Just uh, fanatics rules, man. I mean, I'm not even showing this because I have to. I've, like, right. legit used this since before this, so, man, it's amazing. Subscribe and review. Uh, leave the five-star review. Tell us how much you love us and all that good stuff. And, uh, yeah, but anyway, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're diving into the news and notes of the time. Oh, this will be good. <laughs> it definitely will. We'll be right back. Follow the Main Event Marks at Facebook.com forward slash Main Event Marks Pod, on Twitter at Main Event underscore Marks, and on Instagram at Main Event underscore Marks, and at Main Event Collector. It's the very best of professional wrestling's past every Monday on Retro Wrestling Review. I'm your host, Troy, and together we'll hop on my time-traveling wrestling ring and watch along to the greatest matches from yesteryear in the sport of kings. As complex, as controversial, and as brilliant, really, as he is. On Triple R, we'll cover matches from across the world, including American territories, Canada, Mexico, and Japan. Fast action, lots more than that. You'll learn some things, find out about wrestlers and matches you never even knew about, and we'll have some laughs. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Retro Wrestling Pod. Retro Wrestling Review is available wherever you get podcasts, including YouTube, served up fresh every Monday morning. Unbelievable! The crowd! Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, we are back. Time to dive into the news and notes for our bonus episode of April. And uh, getting my wings on. Well, tight on that. I already cracked oh, yeah. my coffee, but I, I have it. Okay. Oh, do you have one of those pop-top coffees? I do. Um, I get them for when I'm not going anywhere for a while, or I'm going to be home. Ah, nice. Yeah, I uh, cracked my Red Bull open, so uh, got to get energized for this one. Uh, first story, 
how much Antonio Inoki have you ever watched? Because I know you don't watch just a lot of international stuff, with, stuff. Just the stuff with Blair and uh, the match with Muhammad Ali. Okay. Oh my gosh, you watched that? Well, I felt I had to. I I haven't you seen know, it like, yet. I, I try to fancy myself a wrestling historian, so I feel like right. You should at least see it. I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to just because I like to, you know, I'm a bad boy and I deserve it. But um, you go for your show. Yeah, I show. think. Yeah, my my Monday show, which we advertised during the break, Retro Wrestling Review. I will definitely watch it one of these days. Uh, it's uh, it's not great. I'm gonna be honest with you. It's, it's borderline <laughs> decent. Yeah. Well, neither guy wanted to sell. So the problem is Muhammad Ali was like a legit badass and killed him if you wanted to. And Antonio, well, and the thing is, people were pointing out there like, well, Antonio Inoki was a legit badass, but the thing is, like, if if Ali got the like got a hit in on him, he, you know, he had a good chance. But if I, but if Antonio Inoki hooked him, um, you know, Ali was a boxer and that was it. You know, it's like throw a boxer into the MMA ring. You know what I mean? We've seen this, James Tony. <laughs> Against Randy Couture, or it was not pretty. I think it was right. two and a half minutes. Yeah, it's bad. But anyway, Antonio Inoki wrestled his alleged final match this week and officially <laughs> retired at a huge show at the Tokyo Dome in front of a crowd of an announced 70,000 fans. Although Uncle Dave says that you just simply cannot pack that many people into the Tokyo Dome, so the actual number is what? less than that. Wait, what? I know. I. I know. That's why I was like, whoa, what? this is the only time where I will say, well, if Uncle Dave is disputing the number, it's probably not correct. <laughs> I know. Uh, just, wow. That's, I, I feel like he would inflate it. Well, you know, they said 70, but I, I'm pretty sure it was at least 80. Yeah. Well, I mean, I will say this at least for once he's being honest here, because no, I don't think you can jam 70,000 people in the Tokyo Dome, even if you remove the stage and the ring. I don't think you can fit that many people in there. So, yeah, it's, it's got to be wrong. However, they did say it was a legit sellout, just not 70000 And the gate was around $7 million plus another $2.6 million in merchandise. Uh, speaking of Ali, Muhammad Ali. I mean, he is Muhammad Ali, but. Yeah, and Antonio Noki was like. Well, that I mean, goes without saying, yeah. So yeah. That's why I didn't even say it. Yeah, right. Well, Muhammad Ali did appear at the show, lighting a ceremonial torch and handing it to Anoki as he made his entrance. Several other historical wrestling figures who have been associated with Anoki throughout his career were also there. Pretty sure this was his swan song, so. I was going to uh, ask you that, like, was it actually his retirement? I, I'm pretty sure it was. I don't think he wrestled at all after this. I mean, especially, and I hate when wrestlers do this. It's like, if, so, if a company gives you a beautiful send-off, and I realize this was Inoki's company, so it was himself giving himself this great standoff. But still, you know, like the Ric Flair thing at WrestleMania it was 24, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the WrestleMania 24 thing. And then, you know, it was beautiful and it was memorable and it choked me up multiple times. Everything they did for him. And then he ruins it by going to TNA and bleeding and getting naked. Yeah, but to be fair, nobody saw it. So it's like, you know, if a tree falls in the woods, you know, Oh my gosh. I would dispute you on that, but if anybody listens to the lockdown show we did this week, he's not wrong. Uh, I mean, when I announced, when I talked about the attendance and the buy rate for that lockdown pay-per-view in 2011, I was like, that is a horrible number by any metric. 
And this was before streaming. I mean, streaming was a thing, but you really had to hunt for it back then. Like, this wasn't just, like, easy access stream. All right. Uh, this one, man. Well, I guess we'll get the ECW stuff out Anytime of the way first. Anytime you lead off with this one, man, it's not good. <laughs> well, Scott Hall was backstage at an ECW oh, show. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, it was near where he lives. Plus, he was visiting his friend, Justin Credible. That sentence still makes me laugh. That Scott Hall and Justin Credible were good friends. Yeah, good enough friends, by the way, where he would show up backstage at ECW to see him. He signed yeah. with ECW and wrestled a few times. Yeah, I remember he popped up at a few shows. But, uh, yeah, I guess when Hall was backstage, he was confronted by Shane Douglas, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Chris Candido, all of whom had well-known problems with Hall backstage in his WWF days. It was... Wasn't well, so it just the, the click, but he was, like, there? <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess a lot of people had issues with Shane Douglas because allegedly they said uh, Yoko went off on him one time on on a tour bus. So I don't know because well, uh, his pro Steelers crap. <laughs> right. Yeah. So and here's my thing. Like I love Shane Douglas. Obviously, we've established I'm a mark for him, and I liked you know Chris Candido's work, but. Do you think if they didn't have Bam Bam Bigelow backing them up, they would confront Scott Hall to his face? Maybe Candido. I feel like he might have a little man complex, but I don't know. Yeah, but I feel like he would have got slapped the F out really Well, no, you didn't quick. ask that. You well, asked yeah. Front. <laughs> that, that is true. He got me there. But it was said to be a tense situation with Douglas in particular getting in Hall's face and screaming at him and Bigelow backing him up. <laughs> what did I tell you? <laughs> uh, saying that they didn't want him in the ECW locker room. Hall eventually called a cab, and he left after a few minutes. And as he was leaving, Francine yelled at him to get in line and buy a ticket like the rest of the Marks. This led to a funny moment where Tommy Dreamer had walked in the room as Hall was leaving, and not aware of the tense situation that had just happened, Jovioli offered Hall a ride home. <laughs> I love that. Like, everybody's like, get the F out of here. Screw you. Get out. And Tommy Dreamer walks in. He's like, hey, man, you need a ride home? <laughs> I don't know why the thought of that just makes me laugh. Uh, look, I've talked crap about, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Tommy Dreamer's in-ring stuff, whatever, but he seems like the nicest guy in the world. I've met him like 45 times, and yeah, he is. Yeah, so. That's, I mean, that's not something like, Oh, I met him Butch. It's just like he's at every freaking show. Right. If you haven't met Tommy Dreamer here yet, you clearly don't go to indie shows. The fool was everywhere. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to meet him, but I was backstage with him at an, an indie show that I uh, did production for. So I got to, like, see him interacting with people, and uh, he seemed like a cool dude, but I kind of wish I would have got a chance to meet him. The funniest statement of all this that I, I thought was, you know, Francine is like, get in line and buy a buy a ticket like the rest of them are, you know, with with your millions of dollars that you make. I was going to say, so what, he's, he expects that all 80 tickets haven't been sold yet, or what? <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, I'll buy a ticket to the, you know, the seat that you got right by the bathroom so you can sell the place out. Yeah, right. You think you sit by the bathroom? We'll be sitting by the bar, but whatever. Wow, that is true. Well, that was that was a story one time that they uh they held a show in a bar and he was there at the bar during the show. Oh, I am shocked. Yeah, I know. 
And uh, most of the crowd cared about him and was ignoring the matches in the ring to the point of where, like, Bubba Ray Dudley, like, stopped wrestling and, like, got on the mic and called him out. <sighs> Bubba Ray Dudley wrestles. Anyway. Wow. Uh, Sandman and Sabu hey, were... Holy so- Ray was good. Okay? Bubba Ray was not that great. Sorry. The tag team together was good, but yeah, I had no interest in seeing Bubba by himself. Sandman and Sabu were suspended by ECW for a few days, causing them to miss the weekend shows. I am oh, so shocked. God. Hope they didn't lose out on that 40 bucks. <laughs> it apparently is due to a recent incident where several hotel rooms registered to them were trashed. Causing... saying I have no problem believing. Nope. Uh, causing all ECW wrestlers to be banned from the hotel. Others were involved, too, but Sandman and Sabu ended up taking the heat and had to pay for the damages. Well, yeah, because Paul, he ain't paying for that. Well, he would. he would. I mean, but it just it wouldn't clear. Check. Yeah, he's like, look, it's coming out of your check. And they're like, what check? This one that I'm about to write you and, you know, the bank's got thrown in jail for passing another bad one. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. ECW, man. Uh, speaking of ECW, Rob Van Dam won the... People like this crap. That's the thing. Yep. I'm sorry oh, I turned people off saying that, but, man, it's it was terrible. Oh, I had a mutual friend send me a clip of ECW, and I trashed it. He was like, don't be a Greg. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, ah, I'm on his side with this one. That's I garbage. Just, I know the old joke that Jerry Lawler always made, extremely crappy wrestling... Yeah. You know why I didn't agree with it? Because he ended it with the word wrestling. My favorite line, I can't remember if it was him or Cornette that said it, but they said uh, ECW Arena was made out of toilet paper because everything in it was crap. Uh, that, it it might have been Jerry Lawrence. He said, he said uh, this place should be filled with toilet paper because it's full of shit. Yeah, that was it. That was, yeah, okay. He said it in the arena, though. <laughs> yes. Well, I couldn't. that's what I said. I couldn't remember who did it because I think that was the... I think that was the week that him and Cornette showed up at the same time with the lights out. Or it might have been the week before. I know he did it a couple times, and Cornette was I, with him once. I don't think Cornette hates ECW, honestly. Oh, he does. Well, I feel like he, I mean, <laughs> yeah. when I hear him talk, he doesn't, like, speak ill of it. He praises a lot of the wrestlers. Oh, yeah, he likes the wrestlers. He hated the product. Well, he likes some of the wrestlers, I should say. Like, he liked, you know, Candido, and and uh, I, I think he... He was so-so on Sabu and a couple others. But, yeah, all in all, he said the product ruined wrestling in the 90s. So, I don't know. The WCW took over in 2000 for ruining. Got it. (laughs) Uh, Rob Van Dam won the ECW title from Bam Bam Bigelow last week in a match that many said was by far the best ECW match of the year. Faint praise. I'm going to just stop you. I think you mean TV title, right? What did I say? ECW title. Okay, yes, TV title. Thank you. Because, uh, you know, RVD was not good enough to hold the ECW title in its initial run for some odd reason. Yeah, no, that, you know, Sandman has to hold that one for whatever reason. Yeah, no, the ECW TV title actually mattered for a while, whereas the world title was just... Because I mean, of Van Damme, but yes. Yeah, Van Damme, Bigelow, uh, a couple other people, then, yeah, but mostly Van Damme. He, was, he had the best matches of the night every time. But anyway, uh, yeah, saying it was the best match of the year, it's like, you know, you can say that's highway robbery, but that's, you know, petty theft. <laughs> he would hold on to that title for the next 700 days and become the longest reigning champion of 
any title in ECW history. And we talked about he had to surrender that title because he broke his ankle. So he didn't even lose. But he did well, come back and have an epic feud with Scotty Anton, so... Oh, did Anton turn on him, or did he yeah, turn on Anton? Yeah, because, you know, when I think of uh, guys who should headline, I think of Scotty Riggs. That's who it was, by the way. Well, miraculously, he got his eyeball back. Right, yeah. Well, everybody, you know, if... Uh, this is funny to say because, you know, whatever, but he was the other American male. Yeah, I like Buffaloes. Yeah. Uh, let's, I've, I've only got a couple more ECW stories that involve injuries here. This one, I'm sure you'll have a lot to say I about it. There's a list that has injuries. Well, Devon Dudley was injured over the weekend from, quote, taking a nut shot a little too hard from New Jack. Ugh. I've seen what that man does to foreheads. I don't want him getting anywhere near my crotch. I don't want him getting anywhere near my house, my city. Ah, uh, well, yeah, no. I'm I'm good. Yikes, man. Uh, Shane Douglas isn't fully healed from the recent elbow surgery, and apparently the healing has gone so poorly that he will need another surgery in May. So they're working an angle with uh, him and Taz, which is expected to lead Taz... Uh, it lead to Taz injuring Douglas for a while. Uh, I mean, I think he wrestled injured in their match, didn't he? Or no, that was his, no, that was his hand. I'm thinking of. He's had so many effed up arm injuries, but he even had a couple in TNA. Yeah, yeah, I know. He was well, it, and he was like perpetually in a cast in WCW. But while he's out, Douglas will be joining Joey Styles on commentary. I didn't know that was a thing. I, I like the effing music. I need to call this match. <laughs> Cut the effing music. Anyway, start wrestling. <laughs> I just love that he had like a pretty epic theme song. You always call for it to cut off. Right. My favorite when wrestlers do that is like when the music has been done playing for like half a minute and then they're like, cut my music. Like, <laughs> yeah. been done, bro. I can't remember what show it was that a commentator actually called him out. They were like, stop playing a while ago. <laughs> Sounds like something JR would say in AEW. Yeah, probably. But anyway, into WCW here. Randy Savage reportedly suffered a torn ACL in a match with Sting that was mentioned last week. He did an angle with him on Nitro to explain why he wasn't there. He's expected to get surgery that will probably keep him out for six months or more. Savage was scheduled to face Sting at the Spring Stampede pay-per-view next week, uh, and he is expected to be there, but it will probably be some kind of angle. I believe he would be gone for a full year and return at the next Spring Stampede as a special referee. Was that when he returned wearing, like, the uh, the tank top and all that? I don't know if he was wearing the tank top. Yeah, he might have been, actually. Yeah, actually, he might have been, yeah. And the tiny ponytail? Yeah, it was, it was the night DDP finally won the world title. Ah, okay. And they began their feud. Yeah. No, they, well, no, no, I don't think they ever feuded. They, already, they had their feud. That was in 1987. Oh, that's right. I don't okay. even remember where Savage went. Yeah, because I can't I remember... Do you know that this would lead to a match with Dennis Rodman at Worldwide? Yeah, because the only thing I remember DDP talking about their feud... I mean, he's, he's you know, went on and on about that feud, obviously, but um, he talked before about Savage was getting a bad hip, so he couldn't 
like uh, land on his hip for the the elbow drop anymore. So he was like full force coming down on people's torsos. And he, uh, after he did that, DDP said he was pissing blood for days. Yeah, man. Yeah, and he said he knocked him loopy with it because he was like walking around backstage like hella confused. But anyway, Davy Boy Smith also blew out his knee on Nitro. There's no word on how bad it is, but he could barely stand for the rest of the match. You remember that? Was he out? I don't think he was out long, but oh man, this is horrible because this is '98. Yeah, he was about he... to like break his back in September. I know this is a terrible year, man. It's kind of like 94. We just got done reviewing Spring Stampede 1994, which was the first Spring Stampede for all of you. And he, um, uh, or in, in Ricky Steamboat just had that main event match with Ric Flair. He would transition into a feud with Stone Cold, or not Stone Cold Steve, but Stunning Steve Austin for the U.S. US title, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and he would get an injury that would end his career. He got, wait, what was it that he got thrown? He was, like, going for a superplex. He was on the he second got, rope. He got tossed back. I think he just fell on his ass. Yeah, and he right and messed up his back. Yeah. I can't... I know his son had a career-ending injury. That's why... Because there for a while, I was like, what the hell happened to Richie Steamboat? And come to find out, something happened where he got a career-ending injury, like, very early on in FCW. Scott Norton also blew his knee out on the same show, but it didn't appear to be as bad as Smith. Eddie Guerrero has also been out with a knee injury, which is why he's doing the angle where he makes Chavo work all of his matches for him. <laughs> no, we did that because Eddie Guerrero's a spare wrestler. Yeah, that's it. He even had a t-shirt that said so. Um, the, uh, I mean, if, if, if Norton and Smith weren't in it, and, and don't get me wrong, I was a, uh, British Bulldog fan, but it's not like he was a top guy in WCW. Uh, but if it was just Eddie Guerrero, I was going to say, man, his uh, his knees gave out on him because he was too busy carrying the undercard. Good Lord. <laughs> but, I mean, Scott Norton also blew his knee out, and he wasn't carrying a damn thing. So This story, I don't know. I, I mean, I hadn't heard much about it, but... Either way, uh, Chris Jericho, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, Meng, Scotty Riggs, and Scott Hall were all backstage at, at uh, a recent ECW show, mostly just visiting since two promotions were in the same town. Malenko and Guerrero were openly talking to people in ECW about wanting out of their WCW contracts, which end in November of 99. Malenko in particular has his lawyer working to get him out of the contract. Chris Jericho's contract expires sooner, and he also wants out. Uh, then there's Chris Benoit, whose contract also expires in November of 99. Paul Heyman wants Chris Benoit in ECW more than anyone because he wants to make him the ECW champion, and he believes that he can make Benoit a superstar. WWF is also interested in Rey Mysterio Jr., whose contract is up in a couple of months, but given how much WWF has squandered smaller guys, uh, it's probably not a smart move. Wouldn't you go on to be a three-time world champion, maybe? Uh, yeah, but not during... I mean, he wouldn't have been if he jumped it this time. So, I mean, they hadn't maybe. quite maybe yet later figured he might have. Say what? Maybe he might have later. Yeah. I mean, it's easy so, to go off of what we think, but... Well, I just know, like, he wasn't much bigger. I mean, wasn't he, like, kind of Christopher Daniels' size at this time, right? 
and I know that. Smaller, but yeah, and Bruce Pritchard himself said that. Uh, well, I mean, it's also saying that you have to have the world title to be a big star. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he probably would have got thrown to that light heavyweight division, though, and that. I mean, and it might have been better. Maybe I. I would like to hope hope that he could have you know breathed some life into it, but I don't know. You never know things that could have been. As far as Benoit going to ECW, like, I don't care how unhappy he was in WCW, there's no effing way he would have went to w, or to ECW in 98. I mean, you're with me on that, right? I mean, there's no way. I mean, I don't think anybody would go in 98, anyone with self-respect. Yeah. I mean, especially I these you guys. I know you mentioned Scott Hall, but see what I just said. Anyways. <laughs> wow. And Mang, like... Dude, he was just going to ride it out until he, you know, quit getting paid, I guess. Uh, Eddie Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero, Dima Lanko. That one's shocking to me, because he was on Nitro every freaking week. Yeah, I know. I mean, argue they overused him. Yeah, I'm kind of there with you. Scotty Riggs. No, he did a job a lot, dude. He was, like, always winning. No, 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 I said he had a consistent job. (laughs) Yeah, not not that kind of job. (laughs) Yeah, no, him, him and, uh, I mean, Barbarian, they, they, you know, did stuff, and he yeah, did his he own there, solo stuff. Too, but then, it's like, he did more solo stuff. Yeah, that is true. Uh, Scotty Riggs did make the jump to ECW, but out of this entire list, I mean, like, Jericho... Yeah, they, de- they definitely got the best one out of the list, to say that. Yeah, right. I mean, Jericho did, he went to WWF, uh, that was his only option, he, he wanted WWF or nothing. Malenko and Guerrero eventually did go to WWE along with uh, Benoit. Scott Hall popped up there for like what a month, if that. So, <sighs> and then yeah, Mang stayed with WCW I think until they closed, right? No, he came to WWE at Royal Rumble 2001, so a couple months before. Ah, okay. Well, so he he was one of the final, the last drafts to jump he off literally- the ship. He literally won the hardcore title and then jumped, and they, they never spoke of the hardcore title again. Oh no! I know. Ah, well, you know, to crown a new champion, they should have had another like uh, dumpster or no? What was it? Uh, uh, the dump battle royal? What the hell? You know what I'm talking about? Or they had uh, that? Yeah, yeah. The uh, was it a scrapyard? Scrapyard, yeah. Something like junkyard, that. Junkyard. 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 That's the Junkyard Battle Royal, whatever. They were uh, a bunch of people got really bad injuries. Yeah. Dude, Finn Finley almost died. It was epic. I know, right? Uh, Raven got, like, really bad lacerations. It's it totally worth it, man. I think Bam Bam got effed up in it. Anyway. Uh, speaking of getting effed up. Is that up, why he went to ECW? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's sad that he got injured worse in WCW than he ever did in ECW. <laughs> He's like, I tried to escape this crap. But anyway, uh, Hulk Hogan's real life nephew Horace Boulder should be starting with WCW soon. Uh, I thought he was there before this, but apparently not. I think he was like a security guard in a couple seconds. Yeah, Horace Boulder, Horace Hogan. You know, if anybody remembers. He was, yeah. I, I like how he did what Hulk Hogan didn't. He gave in to the baldness and he just shaved his head. He's like, F it. Our family has really bad genes. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of Hulk Hogan, I had to throw this in here because I, I don't know if you've seen this movie. I'm going to guess no, but you might have because you're a Hulkamaniac. Hulk Hogan's new movie, Three Ninjas, High Noon at Mega Mountain, was a spectacular bomb, opening at number 33 in its first weekend. I did see it because I love the Three Ninjas movies. Oh, man. I have never seen any of them, so I don't know. I have a friend that said he grew up on them, like watching them on a loop. So I, I've never, I didn't even know what they were when I was a kid, honestly. I'd never seen them. But wasn't that the one where he wore the wig? Mm-hmm. And he showed up on Nitro wearing the effing wig. That was something. I think he wrestled at uh, one of the uh, pay-per-views with it. He did, and it got ripped off. And I, I just... Uh, was, was it Piper that took the, the ripped off? It might have been the match in, at Halloween Havoc 97 prior to this against... Uh, yeah, it was Piper. Was it? Yeah. I, I wanted... Yeah. Yeah, 97 was... I want to say... I'm pretty sure that was Piper. And then 98 was... Yeah, and then uh, and then he it was Warrior in '98. He had some awful Halloween Havoc matches, man. October was a bad time for the Hulkster. Well, he wrestled his friends. I mean, '96 was uh, Macho Man. '97 <laughs> was Piper, and '98 was Warrior. I don't know if they were friends, but you know, whatever. Yeah, somebody that he used to draw money with. '95 was uh, the Giant. That was twice. Something. Yeah, and. He got dry humped from both ends. So that happened. Anyway, uh, the I movie think that's got. Sheik wants to do him, right? He'd break his back and do that and make him humble. Well, I said dry hump. He doesn't want to dry him. Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, it got bad reviews too. <laughs> Go figure. But that's not. Yeah, but that's nothing new since all of Hogan's movies get bad reviews, but none of them have opened this poorly before. Gotta make sure to point out this is not really a Hogan movie. He's in this movie that's already an established franchise. Yeah. Well, I had to. Th- I I found this out and I threw it in just because it's like, uh, holy crap. Uh, fun fact: back in 1978, a South Korean filmmaker named Shin Sang Ok uh, and his actress wife were both kidnapped by North Korea. They spent eight years living in North Korea, being forced to produce movies for Kim Jong Il. In 1986, they escaped and defected to the United States, where they resumed their film, film career. Sung Ok uh, directed and or produced several American movies during the 90s, including, drumroll please, Three Ninjas, High Noon at Mega Mountain. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to throw him a bone and go watch it. Yeah, the dude literally escaped communist North Korea to come over here and drop that on us. <laughs> Ah, good show, man. Whatever. Hey, you know what? I'm sure he made some money off of it, good, bad, or indifferent. Kind of like uh, Michael Caine said, you know, when they asked him, it's like, have you seen Jaws 3, I think it was, that he was in? And he was like, uh, you know, because it was so awful. And he said, uh, I've never seen the movie, but I saw the house that it built, and it's spectacular. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Rodman is expected to work at WCW's Bash of the Beach pay-per-view, since he still has one match left on his three-match WCW contract. Uh, did he? That was, he did, right? Yeah, this was the one with Carl Malone. Okay, yeah, that's right. Where they, DDP and Carl Malone drew, drove the big rig across country for yep. reasons. Uh, this is our third Scott Hall mention of the podcast so far, by the way. Speaking of, uh, here's, uh, another one. 
Uh, Scott Hall, it's no secret that he and Kevin Nash are wanting out of WCW. Apparently, they have gotten, quote, informal word that if they can somehow get out of their WCW contracts, there would be a $1.5 million per year deal waiting for each of them in the WWF, but they still have almost four years left in their WCW deals, so that's unlikely. Pretty sure none of this actually happened. They would literally even, ride it out and debut it in February of 2002. Yeah, even Nash and Hall haven't, like, admitted to this, and they've, I mean, they're pretty much open books with all this crap, so I'm going to say this one is bullcrap, but either way. Uh, Eric Bischoff did an online chat this week answering fan questions and whatnot. Uh, of note, he strongly denied that Ultimate Warrior would ever work in WCW. Yeah, about that. <laughs> I'm I'm wondering if he had any idea at this time, or if that, or if he was speaking honestly and was like, "Yeah, never gonna happen." He could have mentioned from the standpoint that Warrior would never go. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just just we're assuming that he's saying I'm never gonna have him. You could have been Warrior telling him no. Yeah. I, yeah, because I, I don't know the timeline of, you know, when he actually popped up or, or, you know, when they made the deal. Yeah. So by by April, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it's expected that Goldberg may feud with Steve McMichael over who gets the fourth spot in the new Four Horsemen group that they're talking about creating, with Goldberg ultimately getting the gig. The idea is to create a new Horseman made up of Ric Flair, Lex Luger, Dean Malenko, and Goldberg and have them managed by Arn Anderson. They're also talking about creating a Canadian group of Bret Hart, Jim Neidhart, Davey Boy Smith, and Chris Benoit to feud with the Horsemen. Neither one of these is true, nor did they even come close to happening. Yeah, uh, that, that thing with him and Michael turning a feud over his Super Bowl ring. Right. I'm going to say this is just Dave making crap up and pulling it out of his ass. Which he never does, by the way. Just gonna it's just, yeah, it's weird that this happened. Yeah, I know. It's, one it's of almost the like rare... he makes his little little thing about this is what I would do. Right, yeah. It, it's a rare occasion when Uncle Dave, you know, completely fabricates things. But, you know, this is one of those <laughs> times, I guess. I'm sorry, I had to throw this in because I thought it was hilarious. There was a porn movie released called Nude World Order. <laughs> yeah, that was like an inevitable... <laughs> Well, funny enough, there was even a small reference to the Observer in the film, although they gave it a different name, quote, so as to not make my reputation any worse, says Uncle Dave. Uh, um, leave that alone. <laughs> yeah. Dave says that he didn't even find out about it until after the movie was made and somebody told him. Anyway. <laughs> I know. I'm calling shenanigans on that one, man. Like, you look like you look exactly like the guy that hung out in the back room with the, the you know, where you need an ID to get in that back room with the tape yeah, for. I saw him there. <laughs> wow. With it doing that weird tongue thing that Bischoff made fun of him for. I don't know what the hell that is. I don't think I want to know. He was at an interview and he was like laughing and he randomly puts out his tongue and like looks like a freaking lizard. Eric Bischoff went on about it for like a month. He's like, Dude, doesn't he look like a freaking creep? Like, what the hell was that? Well, that's not why, but yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, anyway, it looks like it was a it was uh, pretty successful because there are plans to make a nude World Order 2. 
So find successful in that genre. Oh my gosh. Dude, like, this is porn. Doesn't everything get, like, five sequels? <laughs> like, Go that's kind of... what they say on South Park? Yes. I mean, that's kind of the joke. Where, like, I mean, a bunch of con- uh, comedians have talked about that. Where they're like, uh, you know, somebody's like, you want to watch Ask Clappers 5? It's like, well, I didn't watch 1 through 4, so I'm going to be completely lost on the story here. <laughs> <sighs> well, this one leads into one of our favorite guys, so I, I had to bring it up. Pro wrestling was part of another negative front page New York Times story this week. Go figure. In 98, no. Was it that Mushnik dude? Oh, I'm, uh, well, hold on. (laughs) Which was also published in newspapers throughout the country. The article was about TV ratings going up while good taste plummets. Along with wrestling, the article also talked about shows like Comedy Central's new hit show, South Park, that we mentioned earlier. The WB's Dawson's Creek. Yeah, Dawson's Creek. James Vanderbeek. My Uh, I thought Dawson's Creek was just like a teen drama. It was. What? Uh, yeah, I did. I don't. I mean, you can. I, unless they're saying that that's bad taste. I guess. I. I mean, well, I mean, you know, Jungle Boy's dad had a better show. But... <laughs> right. Uh, and the Jerry Springer show. WCW has been frequently annoyed by this sort of news coverage because they often get lumped into the same category as WWF, despite WCW not being nearly as violent or lewd and adult-themed as WWF. Yeah, that's what would annoy me about this. Give some time, bro. It's coming. Yeah, for, yeah wait, just just hold out until next, what, October? <laughs> so just, just give it some time. Uh, speaking of, uh, that Mushnick dude. (laughs) Right. Uh, our favorite Mushnick in wrestling, Phil, said about the article, quote, Credit is due to the New York Times for this page one story last week that revealed pro wrestling to be so pervaded with, uh, degenerate acts that it's no longer suitable for viewing by children. Pretty sharp observation, given that this story is about 15 years old. If New York Times stays on top of things, it will be able to report that pro wrestling is infested with steroid abuse and other illegal drug use, a story that was about a dozen years old, and that pro wrestlers have the nasty habit of dropping dead or committing suicide at around age 30, a story that's only about 10 years old. For God's sake. It was not an epidemic. It still is not an epidemic. Yeah. What a a word to use nowadays. Uh, (laughs) This idiot, like, even when they're trashing wrestling, he still is like, well, you're about 15 years behind the times. I was doing it before it was cool. Like, okay, so wait a second. Let's go 15 years in the past. That was 1983. Was it really unsuitable for children in 1983? I want to pull out the 1995 card here. Yeah, like, what the frick, dude? Like... This guy is a complete effing moron, just in every way, shape, or form. Because he's such an effing idiot and so biased and obviously terrible well, at his job. I think, I'm, you know, and, and clearly I'm not defending him, but I think that when you have a paper or any, or an article, whatever, you have to write to your constituents. So clearly he's trying to appeal to people like that. Well, I'm sure he fancies himself a journalist is what I'm getting at. 
And because he's so biased and so one-sided and obviously terrible at his at his job and ill-informed, I'm sure he's won many Pulitzer Prizes. I'm sure he's got like a cabinet full of them. I, I, I can almost guarantee he does because this kind of crap wins you a lot of awards. Does he still write or report whatever? Does he still do this to this thing? I hope he does, but I I don't know. I haven't I haven't heard anything out of him for a while, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything. Okay, not trying to be funny. Is he alive? Yeah, he is alive. I know that. I mean, he's not I, that old. But I just haven't heard anything about him since WWE, honestly. Yeah, I think he made his career on that and then uh, hightailed it, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Getting into the WWF stuff here to, to uh, kind of wind down the news, WrestleMania 14 is expected to wind up as one of the biggest money shows in the history of pro wrestling. The buy rate is estimated Spoiler to be between <laughs> the buy rate is estimated to be between 1.76 and 2.27, depending on who you believe. <laughs> That's uh, a hell of a gap. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, which, when you consider the price of the pay-per-view, is looking to be huge money for WWF and their biggest buy rate in a long time. Yeah, it. Uh, I would argue it's one of the big things that turned the tide in in the uh, wrestling war. So, uh, kind of on that same subject of Mania 14 here, the latest on Shawn Michaels is that he never went to see a doctor after his WrestleMania match, so it doesn't look like he aggravated the injury, which was a concern when. He, uh, excuse me, he went into the match with two herniated discs. Sean is expected to take some time off to heal up, quote, and hopefully get his other problems under control, end quote. There's no timetable on how long he'll be out. If rest and rehab doesn't work, he may need back surgery, which will keep him out much longer. Uncle Dave claims that in the oh, weeks up... Huh. Uncle Dave claims that in the weeks leading up to WrestleMania, people backstage were calling Shawn Michaels Louie as a reference to Louis Spicoli, since his pill problem is getting so bad. Yeah. I mean... Okay, I don't believe that, nor is it even remotely funny. Yeah. Was was Spicoli dead at this point? Yeah, he just died, I believe, in January. Maybe February. Yeah, February, because yeah. I was at that... I was at Super Bowl when they wrote the Immemorium thing on there. I didn't even know about it. That's right. Yeah, we covered that, uh, that Super Brawl. Super Brawl 6. Uh, go back and listen. I don't know the, the numbers. I'll just tell you it was 98. <laughs> or, I'm sorry, Super Brawl 8? Yeah. Either way. No, it's, I mean, I don't know the numbers. It was 98. Well, yeah, no, I'm saying, well, the only way I, I can keep track of them is, is Super Brawl 1 was in 91, and then, you know, just... Oh. So, there you go. That's that's the only way I've been able to keep track of them, to be honest with you. That's what I do with WrestleMania. How old am I? Okay, that's what WrestleMania is. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, so, either way, yeah, like you were saying, that's not funny. And, like, who the hell, who the hell is saying that? And how would Uncle Dave know? Yeah. I mean, although I will say this, Shawn Michaels has admitted that his pill problem is way out of control. So, I mean, still doesn't give anybody the right to make that kind of a crack at him, but yeah. No, and what's what's ironic here is that's the, you know, you're going to have a problem with drugs. That's the least of them, I would think. Yeah, well, he said uh, he was still doing pills, like, even when he was a dad, and he said uh, what, what turned it around was uh, he was, like, passing out on the couch from being so high one night, and his kid said something about, 
daddy's really sleepy or something like that. And he was like, oh, my kid's starting to notice my issues. He's like, maybe I should uh, not do this anymore. Because he said he didn't want to give his kids memories of, you know, dad zonked out on the couch from pills. Which, good for him, you know. Anyway. Uh, She's doing fine now, so we're good. Oh, yeah. And if we're talking about, um, like, actual return to the WWF, he popped up, was it 99? As GM, or commissioner, I mean. Yeah. Uh, It was before, I know it was before WrestleMania 15. That's right. Yeah. So, and then uh, if we're talking actual in-ring return, it wasn't until August of 02 he had his first match back. So, the four-year layoff, well, four and a half. Back better than he ever was. I know. Who can say that? I know last, uh, just this past Wednesday, we talked about Edge and Daniel Bryan coming back and not missing a step, but, oh, and Christian, too. Somebody else who's had medical issues here, uh, Earl Hebner, is still hospitalized in the ICU after suffering a brain aneurysm the night before WrestleMania. Word is that he's starting to get his memory back as he was unable to recognize his friend's family uh, initially. I didn't know that was a freaking thing. I didn't either. Yeah, that's nuts. I mean, good for that him. must be he, why Austin made a point to celebrate with him at Rock Bottom. I don't probably. know why I always remember that. They were, like, celebrating top of the Buried Alive thing together. It was, like, with a ref? That's weird, but... Yeah. Well, my my favorite uh, thing he talked about his memory of uh, Earl Hebner was... And we covered the SummerSlam now in the archives. Summer, uh, SummerSlam 98, right? Go back in the archives. <laughs> where uh, he said he got knocked out by, by Taker. And Earl Hebner leans in. He's like, where am I? He's like, you and the God, kid. <laughs> Somebody uh, speak- give me a beer. <laughs> Crack a beer and, and uh, wave it in front of his nose. It'll wake him up. Speaking of getting knocked out, though, WWF has no plans to use Mike Tyson again now that the angle has wrapped up. At the post-WrestleMania press conference, Tyson referred to, to Shawn Michaels as Steve Michaels. <laughs> wow. Which is up there with his Royal Rumble promo, calling Austin Cold Stone Steve Austin. Because, <laughs> you know, we all love that beer-flavored ice cream. Oh, man. I forgot <laughs> about that Cold Stone one. Yeah. And now he's, uh, you know, I I didn't catch his latest appearance, but uh, his first appearance, he was uh, falling asleep on AEW TV during a title match. So there's that. Oh, yeah. That was, it was something. Yeah. Like, what was the point? Like, I still don't understand the point of him being out there. It's like, that... Well, he jo- he gets to join the inner circle. Yeah. Because they just hated each other a couple weeks ago, and now they're BFFs. Right. Well, well, they're baby faces now, Greg. So, everything changes. Staying with the boxers, Butterbean it, uh, still has one contracted appearance left in the WWF, though it's unknown when they'll bring him back. Oh, yeah. They will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, WrestleMania. <laughs> Uh, gosh. Uh, John Tenta is being brought back to the WWF, but will likely be given a new gimmick and a, as a masked wrestler. Yep. Wow, well, how that's going to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, he was... I find I, it ironic to, to laugh at, like, but he couldn't be that because he lost weight, which was good for him. Yeah. It's like, oh, damn, you're not, like, all morbidly obese anymore. Now we need but, he's still a, but he was still a big dude. Like, yeah, he was, but I just—I I just, look like back nobody, at it. I know he wasn't like. Well, my thing is, it's like they were like, "Well, he lost too much weight to the earthquake." Like, why? Just give him a smaller singlet. Like, he was still pretty big. That's literally like, from what I heard the excuse why they didn't have Akeem in the 
gimmick battle royal because it lost too much weight. So they went with one man game. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it's like, dude, how, like, just get a smaller dashiki. <laughs> yeah, yep. You only, you know, you can only be like 500 pounds over one of those. Right. Uh, final story here to wrap it up. The Monday Night Ratings War is getting interesting now that WWF has closed the gap and ratings records are being set nearly every other week. Nitro just barely beat Raw this week, but WCW's 80-plus week winning streak is definitely in danger. Spoiler. <laughs> uh, this one snapped it, so that's why we're covering it, actually. But, uh, yeah, so that's all I have. We'll talk about them snapping the 83-week streak, the end of Raw here, but... You ready to take our next break and dive into this one? I think. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're diving into Monday Night Raw. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. My name is Thomas, and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. We right. shared a room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we so go we... way back, mate. Yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do, we do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The... Roadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah, well... What do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books, we're talking about professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also check us out on Twitter, at The Broadcast. That's B-R-O... K-A-S-T. Hey, hey, it's all right. Good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C. We spell it with a K. Sorry, mate. Take it easy. Hey, guys. This is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the Hydration Watermelon Smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks. Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives so you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. This isn't just basketball. This is the NBA playoffs. And with William Hill Sportsbook, you can dial up the playoff intensity from the palm of your hand. Just download the William Hill mobile app and your first bet of up to $500 is risk-free using promo code RADIORF. New users only. Must be 21 years or older and present in Virginia to bet. Paid and free bets. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat our confidential and toll-free helplines at 1-888-532-3500. William Hill Sportsbook. Proud partner of the NBA. Let's make it interesting. Main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, we are back. Just to let you know before we dive into the show here, subscribe and leave a five-star review if you are listening on the podcast platform. And if you are listening to Un- on Unhinged, uh, we play every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and at 5 p.m. Pacific. And you can hear us again. The replay is at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific on unhingedsn.airtime.pro. All right, let's uh, get into 
Raw, we're coming in hot like uh, Mae Young's hand, baby. Oh, my no? God. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's Monday Night Raw is War number 255. The date is April 13, 1998, from the Core State Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The attendance, 16,237 marks. And the TV rating was an astounding 4.6. That's a lot of people. We start off with highlights of the Austin McMahon feud. Uh, basically, just I think it was from the was it the previous week or a couple of weeks before. There's uh, McMahon tried to turn the new WWF champion Steve Austin into more of a corporate champion. Austin comes out in a suit, but he rejects it, takes the suit Might off. Might have been the week before, yeah. And he punches McMahon right in the crotch. And then we get the epic thorn in your eye theme open. I like that one. Uh, unfortunately, our commentary team to start off is Jim Ross and Michael Effin Cole. Ugh. But anyway, they hype up the show before we are graced with the presence of WWF champion Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, quick note, I love the dark blue strap Big Eagle title that he had. It's one of my favorites. I don't know why. Uh, but uh, uh, I absolutely despise that one. <laughs> really? <laughs> blue title was ugly. I, I just love that dark blue strap. I even had a, a toy of, of that, like, uh, that, you know, can yeah, fit on a human. I think I have that one right here. He's got all the titles. <laughs> the Finding Moments one. No, I had one that, like, could fit, like, uh, like a human. Like, you know, the big package ones. Also, uh, well, a lot of people also disagree with me. I love the, the uh, Undisputed title. Well, a lot of people said that one was hideous. Yeah, I love that one, too. So. Uh, Austin looked like every white dad at a barbecue with his tank top tucked into his blue jeans with a belt on and his wristwatch. So he looked Texan. He basically. Austin tells Vince McMahon that he's going to stand out in the ring and hold up the show until McMahon comes out. Finally, Vince slowly comes through the curtain, looking worried. And he has Gerald Briscoe and Pat Patterson, the Stooges, clanking him. Austin promises not to hit Vince, but Vince calls security out with him anyway. They're wearing riot gear, which Jr. and Cole make fun of. Uh, when McMahon and Austin come face-to-face finally, Austin asks, asks McMahon who he's facing at the next pay-per-view, which would be In Your House, Unforgiven. McMahon I says believe it's that, two weeks away, by the way. Yeah, I think so. Which I find funny, because they set up the main, the main event 13 days prior. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. And what's uh, even but, more funny is there was no definitive opponent at this point. Yeah. It happens, obviously, later, so it's like... They just threw him in there. Yeah, because like I was, like you said, they set it up. They kind they set it up sort of here, but they don't announce it here. So it's like yeah. So they announce it what a week or two weeks before or something like that. So yeah. Uh, but McMahon says that he hasn't made his mind up yet. Some moron in the crowd is shining a laser pointer on Vince and Austin through throughout this entire segment, like they're waiting to hear whether or not they should take the shot. <laughs> I, this happens like every show back then. Yeah, I'm glad they outlawed them after a while. Uh, but Austin, they outlawed them, they just became not cool anymore. Or that, yeah. Uh, Austin tells McMahon that he's aware that Vince hates his lack of education, his attitude, his language, and his sign language. So he finally says that Vince himself wants to be WWF champion, and he asks Vince to confirm it, saying that before Vince gave him the new Big Eagle title, he probably walked around his house in his pajamas wearing the title, pretending to be the champion. I like when he said, probably asked your wife, it's like, hey, honey, how do I look as a champion? And she said, you look like a jackass. 
<laughs> you want to look like Dr. Jerry Graham. <laughs> right. Uh, Austin tells the crowd that he will defend the WWF title tonight against Mr. Vince McMahon. McMahon's eyes bug out, and he talks with his stooges about it. Austin says, quote, we can do things the easy way or the hard way. But Vince wants more details. Austin says that the easy way is Vince handpicks an official and faces him tonight in the main event. He says the hard way is dragging a cameraman to McMahon's office so that the world can see Austin beat McMahon's ass anyway. Austin said that he's giving McMahon 30 minutes to make a decision, and Vince can't escape because Austin beat up his limo driver and slashed his tires. This takes us to commercial. I like how... Because you can only escape in a limo. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, they didn't have Uber back then. <laughs> and he would have went with Uber Black because he can afford the upgrade. Anyway, uh, uh, that takes us to commercial. Coming back from commercial, a cameraman is peeking around the corner into Vince McMahon's office like he's spying on him. Because that's We're, not creepy. Yeah, right. Uh, McMahon's freaking out, and the Stooges are telling him that he needs to finish this thing with Austin. Stand up to him. And that leads us into our first match of the night. It's a tag team match of the DOA, Skull and Eight Ball, with chains in their corner, taking on Los Bariquas, which was Savio Vega and Jose Estrada. Because we had to have this match once a week. Yep. It was a chains match, which I thought was ironic that chains was not in it. It went technically for two minutes. Before the match starts, D-Generation X comes to the ring, so you know hijinks will ensue. I guess the point of this match was that all four men were chained to the corner, but they had enough slack to beat each other up throughout the ring. So, whatever. Logic. <laughs> yeah. DOA's third member, Chains, gets absolutely destroyed by DX with chairs, beating them down and hitting their finishers on the chairs. DX finally jumps in and helps the Bariquas beat down the DOA. The referees throw the match out because, you know... No DQ matches still can't have finishes on Monday nights. <laughs> we talked about we didn't grade this. I gave it a, a one star, but I mean, it just it sucked. You can't really grade these things, so. <sighs> but anyway, after the match, DX celebrates with Vega and Estrada, who do the suck it taunt, allowing China to sneak up behind them and low blow them both. DX then destroys to the two a men. major ovation, I might add. Yeah. That's all China really did at this point, was she just low-blowed people. She just made a career out of low blows for like three years. But DX destroys the two men, and Triple H hits the ugliest-looking pedigree on Vega, who didn't even jump, he just kind of like slumped down. Chains gets stretchered out of the arena. The reason for that was because uh, just before WrestleMania, Chains, real name Brian Lee, showed up to work, quote, in no condition to perform, and he was sent home. He almost got fired, but was spared, since he's friends with The Undertaker, and he was allowed to work his scheduled WrestleMania match. So this was leading to his suspension. I don't know. Because there was a tag battle royal, but, like, Chains and Skull and 8-Ball were in it, so... Yeah, I don't... I'd have to go back and look. Was he in a dark match, maybe? I don't know. It's weird. Uh, backstage, Shane McMahon uh, joins the Stooges to talk to his dad. The Stooges say that Vince needs to fight Austin, whereas Shane says that he's going to get hurt and he should stay out of the ring. This takes us to commercial again. After the commercial break, Mr. McMahon comes to the ring alone while too much. And I don't think they were, were they officially too much at this point or were they about to be? I think so, yeah. 
Okay, because I saw an article where it, it like it made a big deal out of they're like, well, they're finally getting nicknames, and it's like, cool, I guess. I don't know. Well, Brian <laughs> Christopher already had one, so yeah, he was too sexy, and Scott Taylor was too hot. Scott Taylor, and together they were too much. And you can Good see what stuff. that evolved into. Yeah, something a thousand times better. Uh, but anyway. Uh, it was too much and some random luchadors that looked like a ripoff of La Parca and Psychosis in the ring. They were waiting for their match to start. McMahon basically shoes them off and cuts a promo, letting us know we shouldn't give a damn about them. Uh, Vince talks about the heritage of the World Wrestling Federation and says that it stands for honor, whereas Stone Cold Steve Austin has no honor. He then says, sometimes a man's got to do what a man's got to do, and says, am I going to face Stone Cold Steve Austin in, the, in this ring tonight? Oh, hell yeah. And then he leaves the ring while the Stooges come out, applauding him and slapping him with, high five, high five, slap hands. What was that? You know, wasn't that the, was that the water boy where they're like, slap hands, slap hands. <laughs> it's going for high five. <laughs> I can't remember. It was, it was some Adam Sandler movie. Uh, anyway, JR randomly says that he's going to make sure that this Austin McMahon match does not happen, and he goes to leave. On JR's way out, the lights drop. Michael Cole thinks it's Kane, but the gong sounds, and The Undertaker comes out. The two teams from earlier get back in the ring, and The Undertaker does what Kane usually does, and destroys the crap out of him. Brian Christopher escapes, however, and he takes he, he drags Scott Taylor to safety and after getting tombstoned. Uh, Undertaker grabs a microphone, and he calls Kane out. With uh, the second, I'm holding the show up until I get what I want segment of the night, Undertaker says that, this night of hell will go on for eternity until Kane shows his face. This takes us into commercial. He didn't follow through on it, though, because I thought he was going to hold the show up. But, uh, nope, we have to go to commercial, and he's gone. And no Kane. So, He's whatever. busy doing something. Coming back from commercial, an exasperated Kevin Kelly is backstage telling us that no one is going to talk Mr. McMahon out of fighting Stone Cold tonight. You know, you don't don't trash talk Kevin Kelly. Greg, or Uncle Dave will tell you to go die. Just die. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they show footage Look, from during... Man, real quick, like, why is that the one like, he'll tell you to die for? Because <laughs> he commentates for New Japan, so must defend. Yeah, but, like, of all the guys he jerks to, that's the one, like, if you insult, you need to die? You, what if you insult, like, Omega or Kata? Well, then you need to go die for them, too. You know his standards. Oh, my God. So, I mean, I like Kevin Kelly, but I wouldn't be sitting there telling people to die because they have a different opinion than me. Like, what the F, dude? What is wrong with you? Ugh, just throw that into the bucket of effed up things Uncle Dave has said. Can't. Right, it's already full. Right there along with the Iconics are gaining weight. Uh, they show footage from during the break where JR and Shane McMahon are arguing with the Stooges about whether or not Vince should fight Stone Cold tonight. Vince interrupts them, arguing to tell Shane to go get his gym bag from his car and tells JR to get back to the commentary table. I just bought a new house, man. I can't do that. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> the hell. Oh, said, yeah. There was like a, yeah, remember that? It's like, yeah. God, where, where they were... did that sound any more, like, uh, selfish? I don't care what happens to him. I just, I need my job, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like. It's like, Austin, please don't kill my boss. I, I really need my mortgage. The mortgage is due next week, man. Yeah, right. I need his name on the check. 
<laughs> at that point, he's oh, like, oh, thank God I get direct deposit. <laughs> but uh, this next segment, man, was, um, well, there's not really an easy way to describe this, but it was Jeff Jarrett with Tennessee Lee versus Tasha uh, Taka Mishinoku. It went for three minutes, I guess. I'm just going off what the Internet says these times were. I, I, I don't think they were accurate, but it doesn't really matter. Michael Cole puts over that Jeff Jarrett will be singing lead for country band Sawyer Brown at Unforgiven as flyers for it drop from the ceiling. To remind us that this match doesn't effing matter, we get a side-by-side interview with Steve Blackman from backstage. Now, because, you know, if you're going to interrupt the match... a random-ass feud, by the way. I know. Well, you know, Greg, if you're going to interrupt the match for anybody's interview, it better be Steve Blackman. (laughs) Yeah, I guess we all know how great he is on the mic. Right, yeah. Future member of Head Cheese. Uh, Blackman says that he's going to get... Okay, he's done like a million things, and that's what you pick? (laughs) A million things? Like what? The the hardcore champion and all the stuff he did while being a hardcore champion. Well... Yeah, I'm picking head cheese. <laughs> going with that. Anyway, uh, Blackman says he's going to get revenge on Jeff Jarrett soon. After Jarrett dominates most of the match, Taka gets the advantage before being jumped by Club Kamikaze, which was apparently tie and tie. This led to a disqualification. I don't remember them being called Club Kamikaze. I think that's what they were in ECW. Wow. Uh, yeah, well, they changed that name freaking quick. I don't remember that sticking for very long. Uh, but what was it? Men's Teo, uh, Funaki, and I forget the third one. Oh, uh, what was it? Dick, Dick to Go. I thought you were saving that for last on purpose. <laughs> yeah, forgot. Now, how can I forget Dick to Go, man? Anyway. Uh, all three members of Club Kamikaze beat Taka down before Jeff Jarrett gets back in the ring, locks in a figure four leg lock on Taka. After a few moments, he breaks it, pops up, and he struts while Tennessee Lee cheers him on. <sighs> Jeff Jarrett, who's getting a new podcast with Conrad, by the way. That'll fill out all seven days for Conrad. Because, you know, you need seven days of Conrad Thompson. Are you going well, to listen to the... Roll Tide. Dude, I've barely his... been listening. I only listen to Bischoff for the most part. Yeah. That's uh, the best I... one. Bruce Pritchard has dropped, like, maybe three new shows in the last, like, three months. So he's, he's pretty much... kind of busy. Yeah, I would say. Uh, I, Considering Anderson, how good uh, most of these shows have been, yeah, I'd say he's been busy. Yeah. I hope he uh, never leaves again. Well, the Angle show is pretty good. I like that one. Uh, Tony Schiavone's show is kind of dumb, and it's a, it's a slog because they do watch-alongs. It's, like, three hours. And then uh, Arn Anderson's, like, hit and miss. So, but anyway, uh, we go back to Stone Cold Steve Austin's locker room. Jim Ross interviews him remotely, asking Austin if he's surprised that McMahon accepted his challenge. Austin said he's not surprised because he didn't give Vince any choice. and He's going to take his problem between, or he, and he's going to get this problem between them solved tonight. This takes us into another break. And when we come back, the Stooges are giving Vince advice in his locker room on how to effectively take down Austin and beat him. Pat Patterson doesn't look like he could beat many people up at that age, but from what I heard about Jerry Briscoe, he probably beat up half of that locker room in 1998. He's a grandpa you don't want to mess with. Anyways, he wear a pack? 
No, he leaves that for Michael P.S. Hayes. Dude, dude, dude. Some random rap music hits, and Farouk comes to the ring with his ribs taped. I don't remember him using that that theme. I I forgot about this era of Farouk. But he he's getting for like a week. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, he's getting cheered at this point because the Nation of Domination turned on him and beat him up in a parking lot the week before. Farouk grabs the mic and he calls out Rocky Maivia, saying that he may have cracked one of Farouk's ribs and bruised him up, but he's going to give Rocky another chance to beat him down. The Rock comes out. In his street clothes, his very, very shiny shirt, flanked by the Nation of Domination, saying that Farouk doesn't call the shots. You can kind of hear the genesis of some of the Rock's uh, catchphrases during this promo, because he uses the the millions and millions line as kind of like a, almost like a throwaway thing. He doesn't like hold it out like in future years. Uh, Farouk finally pops up his fist, and behind the Nation comes out Ken Shamrock, Steve, and Steve Blackman who uh, they all brawl with the nation. Farouk joins in, singles out the rock, and security hits the ring to break him up. The brawl leads us into another commercial break. This is a random trio. I mean, I I guess not really, because wasn't uh, Shamrock and, and Blackman had issues with the nation, right? Yeah, Shamrock was still feuding with the rock, I believe. They wrestled WrestleMania, so. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it was just kind of, it's like Farouk's like, well, I guess we're friends now. They're like, sure. <laughs> Remember all the time I was on the nation beating your ass? I, I didn't mean it. Yeah, it's like, I'm sorry for, uh, you know, using some racial slurs against you guys back in the day. Can we <laughs> water under the bridge, right? Uh, coming back from commercial break, they show us a replay of Cactus Jack telling the world that he gave every bit of energy he could to the crowd in a match against Steve Austin, and it will be a long time before we see Cactus Jack in the ring again. Nope, he was talking about the cage, not against Austin. Wait, what? He was talking about the cage. What do you mean? When he like said, I gave oh. you every bit I had, he goes, it was the cage with uh, the New Age Outlaws. And he got mad because they were ch- chanting for Austin. Oh, okay. I I gotcha. Uh, Terry Funk now comes out to Cactus Jack's theme. He says Cactus Jack, quote, waddled his way out of the arena and quit, all because the fans were chanting, Austin, Austin. I can give a damn what the fans chant, to which they cheer, by the way. I love that. <laughs> he then says... It's yeah, part of us! Yeah, right. We are assholes. Uh, but he says that his new partner is hardcore, and Vince McMahon never gave him a chance, but Terry Funk will. Alrighty. And he keeps putting over, I'm bringing the funk, he's bringing the funk. It's like, you're, like, beating at home what you're talking about, because it's not going to be Dory. Uh, but Cactus Jack's music hits again, and we pan the crowd to see Straw Hat Guy in an Austin 316 shirt under because his Hawaiian Billy. shirt. Right. Uh, the mystery partner who, carry, who Terry keeps calling the Funk is the former Flash Funk, now apparently going by Too Cold Scorpio. So, well, hey, I don't rem- think he did yet. I think Jim Ross made that comment. He looks a little too cold, if you ask me. Yeah, they, they made a couple of comments about it. I, I think they called him Scorpio at one point during the match, but, and he wore tights that say Too Cold Scorpio on him. But I don't, I don't know. And he wore the, uh, Funk U t-shirt of Terry Funks, so. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, this one this was Terry. stuff right here, man. This is money. Right. It was Terry Funk and Too Cold Scorpio versus the Quebecers, which was, which was, uh, Jacques Rougeau and Pierre Carl Houlet. Who was still a thing in 1998. <laughs> I know. 
Uh, Jerry the King Lawler joins the commentary now to make it a three-man team. You've got to love the team of the Mountie and the Pirate as the Quebecers. That was good stuff. Uh, Funk and Scorpio win with Two Cold hitting a 450 splash on PCO for the pinfall. This was nothing. Yeah, and uh, we're moving on. And uh, yay, Luna Vachon comes to the ring next in a sailor's cap. And she grabs a microphone and she screeches in her Drano gargling voice. She says that the anticipation for her evening gown match at Unforgiven with Sable is uh, worse than PMS. Just Good like God. she then says something about the flow and then specifically says that it's the flow of her adrenaline that she's talking about. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, someone on hard cam during the segment has a sign that said, who's Goldberg blowing? <laughs> uh, Philly, man. F and Philly. Uh, but now we get a uh, completely different show open, by the way, for the War Zone to the song All Together Now. This one had the wrestlers fighting in a ring in a warehouse with the ropes on fire. Did you prefer one theme over the other? This one? Yeah, or the this other one. one. You like okay? I hate the other one. I couldn't even understand the words. <laughs> nope. The only that's the only uh word the only words you can understand are like the last ones. Is that thorn in thorn in my eye or thorn in your eye, whatever? Yeah, that's that's literally it. Anyway, back in the arena, Sable's music hits, but the artist formerly known as Gold Dust comes out in a wig, an evening gown, and high heels. Uh, I will admit, some of the stuff he was saying made me laugh during a segment. Goldust comes to the ring trying to impersonate Sable, and he said he's going to kick Luna's ass now. Luna takes him down. They roll around. Goldust keeps joking, making joke comments about Luna hurting him and how he'll uh, he'll help her undress him. Finally, he helps Luna take his evening gown off, and he's wearing Spanx. <sighs> so I needed to see that. After all of this, the real Sable rushes the ring and hair peels the hell out of Luna before attempting to disrobe her. Ugh. Gold Dust helps pull Luna to safety. Referees hit the ring, and the heels take a powder. This takes us to commercial. This, what, what the hell did we just watch, man? Dude, this is money. Yeah. I remember, I, according to Bruce Pritchard, like, Luna and Sable legit hated each other, and Luna, like, was constantly causing issues with Sable. And then when they bring her back, she was like, I won't hurt your effing queen. It's like, well, yeah, I hope not. Actually paired up for a minute in the summer. Wow. Well, after the commercial break, we now see Steve Austin lacing up his boots in anticipation for the main event as King and JR hype it up on commentary. They're now the only two people uh, on commentary. Michael Cole took off. And we get... Ken Sh- I know. We now get Ken Shamrock and Steve Blackman taking on the new Midnight Express of Bombastic Bob and Bodacious Bart. <sighs> they have Jim Cornette and Dan Severn in their corner. This went just shy of four minutes, making it the longest match of the night thus far. That's yeah. sad. And we're into the second hour. Mother of God. I mean, people complain about, you know, complain there for a while of lack of wrestling on a three-hour Raw now. Go back to 98. All right. Uh, they're clearly not watching. Raw then because it's nothing but wrestling. For the most well, part. no, not I, this was a couple of years ago when they were doing like a, they were concentrating more on uh, like segments or whatever. <sighs> but it was nowhere near as bad as this. 
Anyway, uh, nothing screams, these guys are important, like giving jobber entrances to the NWA tag champions. Yeah. Uh, Shamrock and Severn Dude, square yeah, up. You gotta cut off the entrances so you can pack the action. Of course. And we gotta see another shot of Stone Cold lacing up his boots. Can't have entrances. <laughs> uh, Shamrock and Severn square up on each other before the bell in a preview of something that we will never see while JR hypes that they are one and one against each other in, quote, the ultimate fighting world. The referee instantly boots Severn from ringside. I like how JR mocks Bombastic and Bodacious as their nickname, saying, Are those marketing geniuses? I can see them on bumper stickers across the United States. <laughs> oh, man. In the end, everyone gets in the ring, and the referee disqualifies everyone getting no one over in the process. So if you're keeping track, we haven't had a clean finish all night. We haven't had a finish all night. Bro, we don't need a finish, bro. Nobody cares about who wins and loses, bro. Nobody w- remembers. <sighs> Backstage, Kevin Until Kelly's... Until all this gets archived on a freaking network and you can see it. Yeah, and then you're like... Bruh. Backstage, Kevin Kelly standing by as the Stooges are hyping up Vince McMahon in his locker room. Kelly asks Vince if he's nervous to fight Steve Austin. McMahon says he'd be lying if he said he wasn't nervous, but he wasn't afraid of the United States government. Ted Turner and Time Warner, the big bad wolf, he's not afraid of Stone Cold Steve Austin. I thought, yeah. Well, then, uh, fast forward uh, eight years, and he's going to defeat God. There you go. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, the headbanger... say that. Yeah, I'm going to move on. Uh, the Headbangers of Mosh and Thrasher Show, are in the dude. ring. Yeah. <laughs> the Headbangers are in the ring, which, you know, I, I'm sure the ratings shot up for this segment. Uh, well, they had the, my eyes. When the lights drop, the commentary thinks it's Kane again, but swerve, bro. It's the Undertaker for a second time, bro. Never saw hey, it coming. Hey, this actually was a swerve, because I really thought it was Kane. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, the first time and this time, I mean, because that was Kane's M.O., as they were pointing out, was he came out every week and beat up jobbers and left, set somebody on fire, all that jazz. You know, that old chestnut. Uh, But the headbangers jump on Undertaker as soon as he gets in the ring, but Taker beats him down, tombstones Thrasher and chokeslams Mosh. The lights drop again, and finally, Kane comes out onto the stage, followed by Paul Bearer. Paul tells Undertaker that next week on Monday Night Raw, Taker will face Kane, but not in the ring. He says they will meet in the cemetery so that they can fight right on the Undertaker's parents' graves. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> was this was this the same segment where he took a sledgehammer to the tombstones and lit them on fire? Or was that before um, this? I have been after this, actually. Keep it, I think it was, I want to say it was in their lead-up to their Mania match, but I could be wrong. Cause he they, kept doing, never, they never, oh, Undertaker never touched him for the most part, so. Yeah, well, no, I'm because um, I think he did that in the lead-up to their Mania match. Is kind of one of those, like, I'm, you know, look what I'm doing, face me now, kind of thing, because every week was something. If people want to, you know, a quick recap, he set their graves on fire. He exhumed their bodies and chokeslammed Undertaker through their caskets. <sighs> you know, the usual. I think that's coming up at the next week, at the next one you just talked about. 
Okay. Well, either way, it was around this time period, and it just like, oh man, it was uh... because they hadn't even revealed that Paul Bear was his dad yet. <laughs> I've been parking your mama. Anyway, after the commercial break, we get a vignette where a hand knocks on a dressing room door, and Val Venus opens the door wearing nothing but a towel and a smile. <laughs> And a beautiful woman in a robe sits on a couch behind him. He says that he's filming his new movie, Lust in Space. Before he sits on the couch, <sighs> another woman uh, sits on the other side of him with her breast completely out but pixelated. Uh, Val says that people have Venus envy, and he's going to explode into the World Wrestling Federation. And he's going to give it his all, inch by inch. How many freaking innuendos can you throw in? Like, this is like... All of them. <laughs> you can't tell me that Russo didn't watch Joel Gertner and was like, bro, we can do it better, bro. Well, he did. But we end with a graphic saying, Val Venus <laughs> is coming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another one. I remember these. Just gosh, he had Jenna Jameson in one of them. I think that was shaving Ryan's privates or something. Oh, that was Ryan Shamrock. That's... Oh, that's that's right. I forget. They were all just like, what the hell? Uh, keeping on with the innuendos, New Generation X comes to the ring again before Owen Hart's music plays and he comes onto the stage with a mic, saying one of them is going to get their asses kicked tonight. Triple H says that to determine. Who would face Owen? He had everybody in DX write 500-word essays before making a bunch of dirty jokes. Because, you know, that's what they do. In the end, they determined that Billy Gunn would face Owen tonight because his was by far the best, including a picture of Owen with a small barnyard animal. <sighs> yeah. That was something. This was supposed uh, to be DX in full hill mode, and people were just not hating it, so... <laughs> Yeah, because... Within a couple of weeks, they would be face, and Owen would go back to being heel. They were doing the same crap they did on South Park, and people loved South Park. Why would this get booed? Like, yeah, they beat up the baby faces, but, like, like earlier, they beat up Los Bariquas. Yeah, but who... really, like, who? I mean, sorry, no offense, but, like, it's not exactly Austin. I know, that's what I was saying. It's Owen like, Hart. I mean... Owen... <laughs> Owen was always, like... I don't think he ever, like, was a full, I mean, even when he was in quote-unquote full face mode, I don't think he ever had a huge crowd backing, because he was such a damn good heel. So, and, and I'm not, that's no insult to Owen, he was just a really good heel. People love to boo him. Uh, but, I mean, the rest of it's like, he, they breed up Los Bariquas, like, cool? No, like, who, no who cares? Not, not them. Yeah, like, not Jose Estrada, why is that the one? Because he was in the match earlier where they beat him up. Him, uh, uh, the only ones I can remember was uh, him and uh, Savio Vega. Was that Jesus Castillo or something like that? Was the other one? I don't even remember. Anyway, uh, as, sure. as backup, Owen gets LOD 2000 and Sonny coming out behind him. I have jacked figures of them. Not of Sonny, but of the other two. Uh, we cut from... From, I have uh, the uber rare Mattels of them. Oh, well, screw you. I, I have Mattels of regular LOD, not 2000. No, I, may, I just meant LOD. Ah, okay. 
You do you did uh, are they loose or do you still have Hell a no. package? No. Oh, okay. Mine came loose off of eBay, so that's the only reason why. But we cut from this scene to show Mr. McMahon working out backstage before commercial break. We come back to Mr. Ass Billy Gunn with DX in his corner, taking on Owen Hart with LOD 2000 in his corner. This was the longest match of the night at eight and a half minutes. This was an actual match. Triple H and X-Pac are on commentary for this one, cracking Jerry Lawler up the entire time. Triple H calls Sonny Skanky. That, uh, yeah. Uh, during the match, Owen got to pull Billy's trunks down, showing everyone his ass. His magnificent ass. Oh, well, of course. I was shocked that this match actually gets a commercial break during it, the only one of the night. The match ends with a schoolboy pin out of nowhere from Owen to Billy. I actually gave this one two stars because it was watchable. But you said you didn't rate any of them, but did you, did you actually think this one was halfway decent or... I felt like it was over right as it was getting decent. <laughs> that, yeah, that's true. I always thought Billy was a good wrestler, but um, I guess the reason they didn't push him as a singles guy too much was they said he had really bad asthma. That's why they always put him in tag matches. <sighs> but anyway, DX finally hits the ring after the match, but Owen takes powder and takes off with LOD 2000. They all taunt the angry DX as they leave. We go backstage one more time to see the Stooges accompanying Vince McMahon to ringside. He gets the Goldberg-style entrance with a full entourage. He comes out with Paul or with Pat Patterson, Gerald Briscoe, Commissioner Sergeant Slaughter, and then Shane McMahon comes out to, to try to talk him out of the match yet again. Before the match, uh, after Austin comes out, Vince tells Austin, uh, you said you could beat Vince McMahon with one arm tied behind your back. By the way, was that a previous week? Because I thought he said it earlier in the show, but I didn't hear him say it at all on this one. He did say it, yeah. Okay, I must have missed it, because I was listening. It's really I can't quick, so not like something he flat out says. He just says it in passing. Ah, okay. Well, either way, uh, he said he pulls out a rope from his pocket, and he tells Gerald Briscoe to tie up Austin's stunner arm behind his back. Oh, uh, yeah, he makes it clear to say I want... A stunner arm. Yeah. <laughs> As a kid, I didn't think, like, I thought that was pretty clever because I didn't think about it. It's like, oh, yeah, he only ever does it with one arm. All right. Uh, after, as if he can't be, amb- like, like he'd be like, wait, how do I, how do I do it with my, with my left? I just, I can't figure it out. After being tied up, Austin says, if you want to see me, or if you want me to whip his damn ass with one arm tied behind my back, give me a hell yeah. And McMahon says, if you want to see me beat his ass with one arm tied behind his back, Give me a hell yeah. And the crowd chant er, yells back, hell no. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. Real quick, before we get into the close of the show, let's take a, uh, our last or second to last break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the closing segment here of Monday Night Raw. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Fanatics offers the world's largest collection of official sports apparel and gear from all the leagues, teams, and players that you love, including the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, NCAA, NASCAR, soccer, and golf. They even offer esports gear for the gamers among us. You can shop by brand, sport, team, or player. And if you sign up for fan cash, you get exclusive weekly deals. So head on over to fanatics.com today. 
Fanatics is a sponsor of the main event Marks and Unhinged Sports Network. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, we're back. Just when this match is about to start, it doesn't start, by the way. Just, I'm, I'm going to put that out there now. Hippie music hits, and Dude Love comes to the ring, saying that he's the only dude who can bring some love to the war zone. He makes it clear that he's on Vince McMahon's side because he writes the checks. However, when Dude Love says Austin can put McMahon down, Vince shoves Dude down on his ass. Dude then tries to put the mandible claw on McMahon. Austin tries to stop him for reasons, and Dude Love turns around to uh, put Austin down to the Mandible Claw before beating him up, locking in the Mandible Claw again. Everyone holds McMahon back from the ring during the assault. Austin eventually fights back a bit, and they brawl all over ringside. So, like we alluded to earlier, they didn't uh, really set... They were setting up the main event, but they didn't make it official here. Uh, was it the next week where they, they make that official for Unforgiven? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Because I know the, you know, when you pull up every episode of Raw, they'll show you the little uh, picture, the thumbnail. And the one for the next week was, didn't he call it the Dude Shack? Uh, well, Dude's Shack, yeah. Dude's Shack, yeah. Where he, uh, like, put a little set on the stage, make it look like a, like it came out of that 70s show or something. It was a complete ripoff of uh, Love Shack theme or music, uh, song. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that is on the what is that anthology mm-hmm. <laughs> CD. Yeah, I remember that. Yep. And he had like blow up furniture and stuff and little beads. That was funny. But yeah, so and I feel uh, like you needed a toke one to just enjoy it. <laughs> right. Well, if, if it, was was that 70s show a thing during this time or? This, this might have been the first season of it, actually. Okay. Because what would have made it funny was if they had a little bit of that, like, the dry ice smoke coming up from the stage. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and he's sitting around like the smoking circle. That would have been great. Dude, Matt Riddle should bring it back. Dude, he's like one nope. step away from it. Give it time. <laughs> I know. Him, RVD, and Randy Orton can, can all sit around. Dude. <laughs> dude. Great. Dude. Dude <laughs> with the dude. Right. Uh, anyway, uh, the WWF finally ended WCW's 83-week ratings winning streak with the, arguably the hottest two-hour show in company history. I guess that's up for debate, but 
regardless. It's funny because I've seen way better Raws than this. Yeah, I just even the, in this era. The only thing to sell this show to me was this, the main event. And I mean, yeah, that was the, the thread throughout the whole show, and they pumped it up and whatever. And then it never even happened. So thus yeah. affirming Rousseau's logic that nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's hard to because, argue with a man when he has good logic like this. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't know exactly what was happening on Nitro this night. Do you happen to remember what they like was on top of my head? Yeah, so I I don't even know, but it was I don't know, I I'm gonna assume they had a lot more wrestling on their show than this did. Uh, I believe that, yeah, this was the one, I do know they were in Minneapolis, Minnesota at the Target Center, and Jesse Ventura was in the crowd for that one. They didn't show him on TV, but he brought his own camera crew, and I guess it, it pissed off WCW officials. Yeah, by the way, when I'm looking at, I, I just pulled up the card real quick, and they have a crap, I mean, they were all very short. They had a crap ton of matches on the other channel. They had a TV title match, Booker T and LaParca, United States title match, DDP and Rage. Okay. Ah, uh, it was with Ken, he was with Kenny Chaos or High Voltage. Yeah, yeah, he had Chaos. Uh, Rage and Kenny Chaos. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, the main event was Kevin Nash versus Sting for the world title, hmm. and it ended via DQ. So, <laughs> like every Nitro ever. Yep. So, but anyway, so that's, that was what was going on on that channel, uh, on the, this Raw went up against. So, I don't know. Hey, I, I didn't watch the Nitro, so I can't comment, comment on whether or not it was any good. But, yeah, it was very contrasting shows, it, it seems like on paper. But anyway, um, yeah, WCW has been producing stale TV for the last month, while WWF has been riding an incredible wave of momentum, and they've been closing the gap with WCW for weeks. This week, Raw set multiple ratings records, highlighted by Steve Austin challenging Vince McMahon to a match, with Austin having one hand tied behind his back. So, yeah, there you go. It's historic, I'll say that, but we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we'll get into our actual ratings of the show and uh, tell you what's to come next week. Follow the Main Event Marks at Facebook.com forward slash Main Event Marks Pod, on Twitter at Main Event underscore Marks, and on Instagram at Main Event underscore Marks, and at Main Event Collector. Fubo TV offers you live sports and TV without the overpriced cable. Fubo TV offers 100 channels, live and on demand, plus over 130 streaming in 4K, and a cloud DVR is included. The Fubo TV app is available on all smart devices, so you can watch what you want, when you want. There are no hidden fees, and you can cancel any time. Cut the cord and sign up for your free trial at Fubo.tv today. Fubo TV is a sponsor of the main event Marks and Unhinged Sports Network. They say, if you love something, set it free. At LifeLock, we say, What a load of bull hockey! All that saving up and paying off debt, and now some identity thief wants to set it free? Crazy talk! LifeLock helps monitor your info and alerts you to potential identity threats. If you become a victim, we'll help fix it. No one can monitor all transactions, but LifeLock helps you keep what's yours. 
Save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com with promo code LifeLock. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. Uh, the final ratings of the show here, IMDb gave it 6.7 out of 10. Cagematch.net gave it 5.92 out of 10. I gave it a 6 out of 10, just slightly above average. What say you? I said I had memories wa- Memories came flooding back watching this. That's all I'll say. I don't know how to yeah. read this. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, wasn't great, uh, but, you know, whatever. It was what it was. No, it wasn't terrible. Again, affirming Russo's theory that nobody cares about wrestling. I mean, how do you argue with the man? Yeah. This one. So there you go. <laughs> yep, I know. And it's not like they didn't have stars uh, promoted on the other channel this night. This was just the two big stars of the era, McMahon and Austin. But anyway, uh, that does it for our April bonus show. Hope you all enjoyed the 83-week snapper. Next week, on April 28th, on Wednesday, we are covering In Your House, Good Friends, Better Enemies. It is the 25-year anniversary. The main event was Shawn Michaels and Diesel for the, the uh, WWF title. And didn't you say this was like Diesel's last pay-per-view? It might have been his last show, period, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. so from April of 96. So we're going to go back to that. And uh, then we're going into May, but we'll talk more about that next week and what's to come with all of that. Real quick to wrap up, we are sponsored again by Fubo TV and Fanatics. If you want to cut the cord, uh, definitely check out Fubo TV. You don't need overpriced cable. They provide over 100 channels, cloud DVR, no early cancellation fees. You can sign up for a free trial today. And Fanatics has the officially licensed gear from your favorite sports organizations. So check them out. They are Greg approved. And uh, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Five stars, please. Just like good old Uncle Dave. Uh, thank you. And uh, thank you for joining me again today, Greg. Mm-hmm. We will see you all next Wednesday with good friends, better enemies in your house. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. 
There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 